Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kisten. I am so thankful, so grateful that you're here spending your time and energy with me wherever you are in the world doing whatever it is you may be doing. I super appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, if you can take a brief moment after, that's the keyword, after this episode and head to wherever you get your podcasts, share, subscribe, leave a rating review. It'll be super helpful. And I genuinely from the bottom of my heart would appreciate it to spread the message, spread the word um, and help a brother out. It'll do a lot. Anyways, super excited about this episode. Uh, as you all know, I've been diving headlong into the digital marketing space, affiliate marketing particularly. And I've met some really fascinating, interesting and supportive people and my guest on the show today is exactly one of those people. His name is Todd Foster. He's a father of five. Uh, for work, he leads a data team for a biotech firm. And as I've mentioned and sort of suggested, he's also in the digital marketing space. Uh, so Todd Foster, how are you? And welcome to the Adulthood Revisit podcast. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. This is, uh, it's always exciting to talk to people in, uh, in person. You know, I think uh, our relationship started online through the chat window and Facebook timeline. So it's, it's good to catch up live for sure. Yeah, very cool. I, I, I just want to start diving right into your story and your background because like you, you've, you've got a very fascinating origin story. Um, some of it dives into the armed forces. Obviously you've got your parenthood. Uh, you've got balancing private sector and then some decisions in what you're doing now. So wherever you feel comfortable starting, um, Let's let's hear a little about Todd Foster from the past and how he got to where he is today. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'll, I'll go back even a little further than you know the, the professional. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up. I moved to a lot of places. I was actually born in North Dakota, which not so many people can say that. So I kind of like to mention that tidbit. Um, but then I, I I spent most of my formative years in Iowa. Um, you know. So, somewhat rural, but it's actually, I was in what in West Des Moines, which is a pretty urban area. And so kind of had a nice mix of the heartland experience for, for anybody who knows what that's like. It's a, it's a pretty good place to be from, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I, from there I went, ended up, I love sports as a kid. It was a big part of my, my youth and even into college. Um, did, did some pretty cool things. I, I played baseball in college for a year or two and wasn't that great at it. Um, <laughs> relative to that level and so I moved on to boxing and um that that was a huge part of my kind of like formation as well as sort of a young adult it was kind of the, you know the pinnacle of my sporting career I, I went to nationals was a collegiate all-american never had boxed before I started in college and then I had this opportunity. I was at the Air Force Academy. We had a great rugby team too. I couldn't do both at the same time because their seasons overlap. So I, I dropped boxing my senior year and played on the rugby team and went to nationals in that sport as well. So um, those were like, you know, some people call it, could call them glory days, but those were really a big formative part of, of kind of how I viewed the world. You know, one was a very individual sport, very, you know, sort of self-focused, you know, nobody to blame but yourself, all of the accountability that goes along with that. Um, and I wrestled in high school, so I, I learned that at a little bit at an early age, but it was cool to have it in boxing as well. And then um, and then on the rugby team, it's like almost the opposite. It's like 
getting a 15 person unit to gel together as a collaborative team. I played scrum half, which is kind of a, kind of a quarterback. They don't really have a quarterback. There's two positions that probably battle each other for who's the quarterback, but, um, had an opportunity to be kind of part of the leadership there. And, um, you know, kind of the rest, the rest is history in its way. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand the application of sports to life and business as well. When I was 22, three, whatever it was, I got out, went into the air force, did, um, some, what I didn't think was very exciting jobs was basically software project management, but, um, it, it kind of bored me. So I started looking for other things to do. I, I left the air force and I was in Boston. I'm in Boston still. Um, got into the music scene there and I still went to work at a recording studio, believe it or not. That's probably another thing that most people don't, that's not on my resume. But I, I did that for about two years, tried to start my own studio. If uh, if you're watching on the Zoom, you can see I've got a bunch of guitars in the background and still, still a big part of my life. But um, kind of bringing the long story a little bit shorter now, I, I went from there music couldn't figure out how to make it pay. So I, I got into like software development, which led me into data and analytics. I found an awesome consulting firm in the life sciences space um, and built their analytics team. Loved doing that for many years, ended up at that company for 17 years, probably, probably should have moved on sooner than I did. But you know, the last five years, kind of, I was bored, restless, whatever. So I, I went into the industry side and that's how I ended up where I am in the uh leading the data team there on the uh on the bio for the biotech firm uh and then you know i'm 50 just turned 50 this year got five kids ages 5 to 19 so i'm all over the map with that stuff but kind of trying to figure out what's next in my life um and i wanted to do something just i wanted to do something different data and analytics is a big part of my life i do like lots of it, but it's also become repetitive and routine. It's, I have a long-term relationship and, you know, those are hard. So, um, so I started looking for something else to do and I uh, wanted to learn like sales and marketing. And that's, uh, that's how I landed, landed in the uh, affiliate marketing space. I'll take a breath there so you can redirect me now, but that's, that's the story. Thank, thank you for sharing. I mean, that, that was, that was pretty on point. I expected nothing less. Um, <laughs> I want to go back because there, there were some interesting I don't know if I don't want to call them parallels, but just observations as you were sharing, um, diving in and out of even from the sports that you played, right? Baseball, rugby versus boxing. Um, then in the Air Force, like the team versus individual dynamic, that thread and what you've tried to do throughout, you know, following the Air Force and your careers, your career so far, it seems like you've been trying to find a blend of, of that. Like where, where do you think your strong suit is? Do you think that you've got, uh, you, like you, you thrive more in the individual setting or within the team setting? Because it's just fascinating to think I, I played high school baseball and like, I don't want to say those are my glory days, but maybe they are right. It's like the yeah. Al Bundy syndrome. But um, I, no, I think increasingly I thrive my skill sets better in the group setting. And I've spent the last 10 years as an individual trying to bring, build my law practice. And I think that's where I've been experiencing that, that burnout. So um, in looking at, at this, as you just shared, have you ever thought about whether or not you, you're, you're more suited for the group setting or individual, or maybe you don't, you feel comfortable with both? Well, it's an awesome question. And, and it's really on point for me um, at this point in my life where I'm looking 
kind of for what's next. I mean, a lot of my peers in the Air Force, they stuck it out, did their 20 years. Um, you know, you get you get a retirement at age 45-ish, depending on where you're, you know, what where it works out. And they're all starting on their second career, you know. Um, and I was so envious of that. I was like, man, I probably should have stuck it out. You get, you know, you get a nice pension, you got medical benefits, things like that. But I just, I couldn't, I needed, I didn't want the bureaucracy. I needed the creativity. That's something that I didn't really mention in the backstory, but like, I guess with music, you might infer, I also like to draw and I have this like intense creative pull balanced with this logical data and analytics thing. And a lot of people might not see the connection, but a lot of people that I know who are in one or the other totally get it where I actually view them almost identically. They're all about breaking something down into a small piece into its component sub pieces and building it back up into something bigger. So when you draw, you know, you'll do a sketch, then you'll do line art, then you'll do colors, shading, and you'll build it. You'll stack this thing up into a picture music. You lay down drums, bass, guitar, vocals. Um, then you've got something bigger than, you know, those individual parts. Same with code. You, you build functions, you know, you write lines of code, you build functions, and then you've got this application or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit off track of what you asked, I guess, but, um, but, but I have, I have this battle that I go through all the time of like, I demand creativity, but it doesn't always play in the corporate, you know, standard world. And so it's, it's like, it's, it's a challenge for me. Um, and I kind of put them in the same camp. One, the creativity is probably more individual. And then, you know, the group setting is, is more the logical, you know, whatever, just the standard corporate business, um, and it's, it's interesting because I think I personally do better with the individual aspects. Um, I'm more geared that way. I don't necessarily, I mean, you know, generally lean towards introversion. I'm not totally on this, you know, one side of that spectrum of, you know, but I don't really get my energy from large groups for sure. Like that's not my thing. I don't, I'm, I'm not looking to go stand in front of an audience or go to a big party and talk to everyone or be the center of attention. And so, I do wrestle with that because I've been leading a team for 15 years now. You know, the, the team I left was 40 people. The one I have now is 15, 16, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I actually don't know the answer, but I, 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 what I've really concluded is that I like building. I love building teams. I don't really like maintaining operations. And so that's like a, 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 a useful realization that I've had as I'm kind of thinking about what's next for me, regardless of whether it's, you know, entrepreneurship or, you know, follow on jobs, basically. If you can, if we can jump back to when you left the Air Force and pursued that music, the, the music studio, the career music, um, it, it, again, I know, I don't know anything specific about your experience in the Air Force and then like the pull to it. <laughs> Just hearing it, I'm wondering like how how turned away. I know you shared you just shared that you didn't want to deal with the bureaucracy, and just like no creativity within keeping a career in the Air Force. Um, but it seems like jumping to trying to build a music studio is the exact and opposite <laughs> of, on the spectrum of that. Uh, maybe take us through through the thinking or reflection now on that experience, and also why. If you if you've ever taken the time to diagnose that endeavor um, in your music career and building that studio out, like what were the challenges that you faced in in doing that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I picked up playing the guitar when I was about fourteen ish. My dad played, and he was he was decent. 
I resisted, you know, I, they forced me to play the trumpet when I was, you know, fifth grade or something. Um, wasn't into it. But then one day I saw my dad rocking out and I was like, man, I think I want to do that. And so, you know, it was a slow but steady ramp up to the point where I was playing in a, you know, the garage band with my high school buddies for the last, basically last year and a half of school. And that was pretty damn exciting. But then of course the band broke up with college. I actually went to Colorado state for two years before I went to the air force Academy long, long side story, but it took me, took me longer to get in than some. Um, and so, you know, I was always interested in the music, but it always, you know, you, you get the parents input, not, not that my parents necessarily said this, but you get the societal input that says music isn't how you make a living unless you're exceptional. And, you know, I was, it just never occurred to me that that was possible, but I was really drawn to it. The more I got, exposed uh, even while i was at the air force academy my roommate kind of had the similar experience that i had with my dad but he had a bunch of time on his hands because he got in trouble so he was restricted he couldn't go out i had my guitar there taught him to play and we ended up playing at our sports bar at this on the air force academy we would play out a couple times a few times before we graduated and had lots of you know obviously my my buddies loved that and you know it was it was a pretty uh, exhilarating experience to be that the center of that kind of attention. Right. And so we kept that going even, even after he, he and I were stationed different places, but we'd use our vacation and do gigs together sometimes. Um, and so I, I just, I loved that. And it was, it was building up, but it was like, I had these other responsibilities and it didn't seem like the, I don't know, the responsible thing to do or whatever, the sort of that standard thinking, but when I got out of the air force, you know, it was a big decision, right? Like I'd spent a lot of um, time and, you know, there was a, it was a big commitment across the board to go through the training, go through all of that stuff. And I didn't take the decision lightly, but it just, I just knew it wasn't for me. I mean, it's hard to go back now and know exactly what I was thinking, but I, I just knew I didn't want to do that. It wasn't going to give me the creative outlets. At least I couldn't see them at that time. And so, um, you know, I, I was, newly married around the time that I separated from the air force and just was really hoping that I didn't have to go into the corporate grind. I mean, you think about how you end up in digital marketing. A lot of entrepreneurs just, they don't want to, they don't want to do the regular nine to five. And I was in that same boat. And so it, it was probably about that simple. I wanted to see if I could make a go of it. I had some connections in the industry because while I was in the air force, I was taking lessons from the Berkeley College of Music to, you know, play guitar and stuff like that, voice lessons. And, and I was connected with this existing recording studio. So, so I had, you know, I had some, I had some ins and I just wanted to see if I could make it work. I didn't have any other real responsibilities at the time. My wife was working and we didn't have any kids. So it was a little, there was a little more flexibility then. So that's how I, I think that's how it played out. Don't say that, it's it, it, it's a bad event because you spent the last you know at, following that 17 years was it uh leading a team um in, in the private sector so share a little about like that contrast was it you found a sweet spot a sweet gig that balance that like you said the ability to build and create um did you feel any i guess initially any regret on not being able to for for the music career to pan out the way you wanted to or did you find yourself when you started working um working this job in uh analytics and data that 
it, it just fit. Like the, you didn't feel there was no, you didn't not leave anything on the table with respect to the studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good question. There's kind of two answers too. I guess um, the, the, the good news for me when I left the studio, I, I basically put out my resume into two tracks. I <laughs> might, probably won't surprise you, but while I was in the Air Force, I taught myself how to do HTML and database programming. You know, I had enough free time on my hands. I was bored and that's really what pushed me out. I just, it wasn't, you know, I, in hindsight, I could have done better. I probably could have found more work for myself, but nobody was demanding much of me so I, I found ways to to learn things that i wanted to do and i loved that i was super into it and so um i, I applied to the boring program management jobs because i at least knew i could get some income that way and then i also applied to some software development consultancies and i didn't expect anybody to give me a chance because i was self-taught i didn't have I didn't really have much on to show on my resume in this, this company um, before the consult, before the longer term consulting firm gave me a chance, basically saying in the interview, the, the head of the company was like, sounds like what you're telling me is you're willing to, to, to buckle down and learn something when you want to learn it and you'll figure out how to get things done. And, you know, and I had the air force resume on my resume and he was like, I think we can work with that. Um, so they gave me a shot and it was, that was, you know, in hindsight, that was an inflection point in my, in my young life. I mean, the, the firm was, gave me the opportunity to do exactly what I wanted to do. Um, it was a good learning environment. It was the dot-com era. So it flamed out while I was there about a year and a half into it, I think. Um, so I needed to find something else to do because my first son was on the way. So all of those things take over. Um, I really felt like I, I made the decision to leave the studio land because it wasn't working. It wasn't going to give me what I needed. So I didn't really feel like I left anything on the table there. I had been playing out in town doing the solo acoustic thing here and there too. And I kind of got tired of it. I was like, you know, that's not, it's fun, but it's also work and it's, you know, hauling my gear around. I got my car broken into gear stole. And, you know, like it's all the standard musician stories back in the day too. All that gear was 10 times heavier than it is today. So you know, there, there were some downsides that you don't see, uh, you know, for cold play up on stage or whatever, right? Like it's, it's not, that's not the experience I was having. So I don't really feel like I left anything on the table. Um, but I will say uh, I've come back to it and it's not that I have regrets for what I haven't done, but I'm kind of recommitted to it. I can't remember if you and I already talked about this, but a year ago I home recorded on my iPad, uh, a six song EP and released it on Spotify. So you can, you can find me on Spotify if you want to, which is crazy to me. It's, you know, all done right in this room you're looking at. That's super awesome. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to that. I want to like, uh, like talk about that a little more. The, the majority of the last decade then or so you've been, you know, in the private sector doing, I, I don't want to call it the nine to five grind because it's, I mean, I would assume, and I don't know if this is a safe assumption, that you're, you'd only be spending that much time because you're content with what you're doing, the people you're working with. So doing good work. Um, but, you know, I want to fast forward through that because... Yeah, me too. In the last year, right, you've... Um, or maybe even slightly before that, 
you've kind of started figuring out that there's something else. There's, there's maybe some other itch you're trying to scratch. And that's how we've, we've become connected in the world of affiliate marketing. So maybe before we get to the actual activities of affiliate marketing, digital marketing, like what were you sensing in the last year or whatever year and a half that, that got you thinking about something else being out there for you at this point in your life? Yeah. Again, I probably have two answers. One thing I'll say is, um, the back to your grind point, like there was some of that, you know, I was very well paid to do work that I really stopped enjoying. And, uh, you know, when you have five kids, like it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, algorithm to solve. Do I, you know, do something I like for less money you know, do I go off and, you know, really focus on me or do I kind of stick with the program? Um, and to each their own, there's, there's no right answer to that. You know, you got to figure it out. And like I said, I, I think I over, well, not think I overstayed my welcome uh, in terms of doing that. And so in some ways, what pushed me to the recording studio is that same thread that, that resurfaced 17 years, 15 years, 12 years, whatever it was, there was some time that it started to come back up. Where it was like, all right, I've, I've given a lot to responsibility, you know, and to, to making, providing a life for my family that I want. But, um, you know, when you, when you start closing in on 50, it just, you start to see things differently. There, I, don't, I imagine it's true for everyone. It seems, I don't know why it's 50 is the number. I think it started for me around 40 and, it, you know, it escalated from there. I've seen a study that says the age of peak unhappiness is 47.2. I don't know if you've seen that one, but we, we joke about that in my circles because it's, I know a lot of people who are 47.2 right now and they're they're they agree with that. You know, you just, I feel like you, you go from doing what your parents tell you to doing what your bosses tell you to kind of then, okay, now who am I, who do I want to be for the rest of my life? Like, where do I, where am I going to take charge um, and, and be the decider instead of the guy who's following the crowd. And not, you know, not everybody goes through that, I'm sure, but, I feel like the middle, the midlife crisis is kind of that thing, you know, what, however it presents in different ways for different people. Um, but I think that's what it was for me. I just, um, I've, I've been a pr pretty damn good follower my whole career. You know, I, I learned to be a good follower in the military. You learn leadership as well, but there's always somebody kind of pulling the strings and that's true in a job if you let it be and, and then again some people go in and find ways to be the leader and they um they make it work but i think for me i wanted the 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 mental freedom if nothing else to say i've got all these skills i can go do whatever i want whenever i want i mean that's you know if i'm being general that's the dream i want to be in charge of me period my time you know whatnot so so that was the driver i could go on but hopefully that covers the, the point. No, absolutely. I mean, what, what you shared right there resonates with me so much. I mean, at the time of this recording, I'm 36 and it's only in the last year, two years, I, maybe a little before that I was, when I hit 30 or so, I was really thinking about my life and only because it wasn't, like I was, I've been content for a long period, but I just, I was looking around, it's like nothing is the way I want it to be. And um, between health issues, money issues, relationship issues. Um, and then, yeah, and only this last year or so, I really st started saying, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why the things that I've been doing for the last 10 years, 15 years, opening a law office, being an attorney, 
like whose decisions were those? Because I, I don't know if they were mine. And I, I really that. started yeah. thinking about that. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that. It's, it's something that I, I think a lot of people deal with. A lot of people go through and maybe it's, it's something that many people don't know who to even talk to about that. Um, I'm oh. really content or happy that I've got a group of friends that like, we talk about this kind of stuff regularly, but I, I'm very curious, like how many people out there who are experiencing the same thing again, in some form, some iteration, wherever it may be in their life, like how many people have someone to turn to and share share that with that's that's an excellent perspective two things first of all i love that you said who made those decisions because i i definitely asked myself the same question you know um <laughs> just to be totally honest like i got five kids we're living in boston they're in private schools and i'm you know th th all that shit's expensive <laughs> um i don't know if you have to bleep that out but man you know it wears on you and it, it's part of what what drove the looking around you know it's like if I, if I'm not in charge of some aspect of my life, then what, what am I doing? You know? Um, and then the other side of that too, is having somebody to talk to. I know I went through some rough times sorting this, sorting all this stuff out. There was, there was four years probably in there that kind of went, I guess, I guess it's, it's a downward, you know, trough where it's like, you kind of go down and you start to crawl back out. But, um, just trying to like, feel like I had some control and, on the, on the other side of it, which probably came about a year ago or maybe two, depending on how I look at it, I guess, I, I was reflecting, thinking, why doesn't anybody tell people this? Like, why isn't there like this midlife crisis program for people to say like, you know, it's, and I imagine it's kind of unique by gender, but there's probably a few subcategories that you could break it out by. So people could be like, I'm at this stage, I'm having these questions. Here's what's going to happen to you. You know, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to drink too much. You're going to uh, you know, whatever, you're going to start hating your job. You know, there are, there are all these symptoms that you can put on a checklist, you know, and for the uh, uh, enterprising, you know, marketer, you could put together a program pretty easily that people would, would buy, whether you can actually help people through it. I don't know. Cause the other thing I concluded is like, if somebody tried to tell me all this stuff and I wasn't ready to hear it, there's no way I would, I wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. You know, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you have to go through it. It's kind of like the adulthood thing. You separate from your parents and you got to, you know, spend too much money on a credit card or drink too much one night and have a hangover. And those are things you kind of almost have to go through yourself. You can't just be told or you can't learn it. And so, uh, you know, I think what you're saying is right on. It's, like, it's good that you have people talking about it. I think that is absolutely um, the number one, like, piece of advice I'd give somebody if, if you're struggling with that stuff is, find people to talk to that, you know, kind of are going through similar things. Now, speaking of going through similar things, I mean, again, we've connected as a result of being in the digital marketing, affiliate marketing space. Um, again, I, I, I want to parse out the actual like decision-making of that because, um, you know, you're coming from a place where again, as in consultancy, getting paid well, security with finances or, or at least the, the concept of job security and and then making decision to pivot out into something that unless you know it's something what you don't know what you don't know and it i know for me as a lawyer doing doing something comparable it catches a lot of people off guard and i've had to like coach myself up even before I, i've been able to like put myself out there so maybe share a little about like that decision-making process for you 
and how you've had to navigate that, um, you know, diving into something that when I tell my parents, hey, I'm doing affiliate marketing, like, what are you crazy? You're a lawyer, like you want to sell eBay? Like what, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so maybe the conversations you've had, whether yourself or the people in your life, as, as you've uh, developed your, your affiliate marketing practice. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I, I mean, I share your experience generally. Um, I think one unique aspect for me is I've kind of always had this thing back to your individual point. There's, there's two components. One is I really, it's, this isn't the right way to put it because I do care what other people think, but like kind of deep down, I don't like the part two of this is I love a challenge. I love figuring out new things. I said earlier, I like to build, um, you know, when I, when you, when I think about my, my sports, for example, I played four sports in high school. I picked up two new ones in, in college. I moved on to hockey and jujitsu as a 30 plus year old. I picked up, you know, like I love to put myself out there and learn new things. Um, I was really good at it in the sporting space, so I didn't feel terribly self-conscious about it, but there are other things that, where that's not true. Um, like digital marketing, for example, right? Like that was, that was a perfect example where I was like, I don't know if this is for me, sales and marketing, you know, is I describe that as the opposite of data and analytics. <laughs> um, you know, the, the sales guys that I knew that were classic sales guys, not me, you know, like I knew that much, but I didn't know. Um, you know, I, I just, I just wasn't sure. That being said, the, the real way I got there was by trying to figure out how to do like set up, basically I wanted to set up my own consulting gig. I wanted to go from doing what I was doing for someone else. I wanted to do it myself. So I started down that path of like trying to figure out how I could, how I could do that. And, you know, went through a program or two. One of them was an expensive one. Um, and it just, I was just like, I don't want to recreate my day job for myself. I was just like, no, that's not, that's not the thing. That's not going to be it. So once I made that decision, I was like, well, I've got all these skills. I'm good at plenty of things that, that people value, you know, from my consulting skills, some of my hobbies could, you know, how can I combine these things? And I kept trying to, you know, put the, put the package together in a way that like, how can I make a business out of this? And I just couldn't do it. I could not figure out, you know, the right overlap of skills, interests and market demand basically. Um, and so I batted that around for about five years and just was like, if I don't do something, you know, like I'm never going to get started if I wait for this perfect opportunity. And I knew from the consulting attempt that I had made that I didn't know anything about the sales and marketing components. So I was like, I'll just go do affiliate marketing. I, I, I can learn those skills that I don't have, at least see what it's about. If I start and stop and fail, like nobody's going to know. I didn't talk to anybody about that. You know, I just, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to look there's, you can do it in front of your computer and nobody has to know basically. And so that, that was the mindset that went into it. And of course, one thing leads to another and snowballs. And of course, lots of people know now, cause I have, you know, 2000 Facebook friends or whatever. Um, but, but that, that's it. I mean, it, you know, it, it was an evolution. It was not a, like exactly a switch flipping, although you can look back at points and be like, okay, this was where I decided that. And, you know, then the branches become a little clearer, but um, yeah, mostly I think I tune out the, the noise of, you know, any external influence for me, this is a game. Um, I'm lucky in that 
my life doesn't depend on it. My income doesn't depend on it. I'm not, you know, doing it for the money. Um, although I want the money to, I'm not, I don't want to miss, <laughs> misstate that. Like that is a good marker of whether you're doing it right. And I wouldn't be doing it for free. So like there is a purpose, but it's not like I, that's not the driver. So I'm still playing a game, I guess. And that has, I think has the pluses and minuses. I mean, the, the one minus is it's not super urgent. There, I probably could be more committed at times, but it is what it is. I want to take this opportunity, if you're amenable to it, and sharing your experience in the affiliate marketing practice. And the reason why, if you're amenable to it, is because although at the time of this recording, January 2021, um, who knows what's going on with our world, our economies, lots of people that I know are still out of work, they've been made redundant, reduced hours, and like the opportunity out there, I think and I, I've been telling all the people in my life, friends, family members, random people, random connections, like bet on yourself because this was something even my, my law practice was shut down for a while. And I share with that same thing with you. It's not really urgent for me to, to make a ton of money online because I have the safety net that is my law practice. But to people out there that you maybe you speak with, let's call them prospects. How, how would you tell people listening to this to maybe consider who have never, like it's never been on their radar, um, whether out of urgency or now maybe like a, a small piece of desire like to, to really pursue that? Because I, it, it definitely takes a switch, a mental switch and commitment to say, I'm going to pursue an online business, whether it's affiliate marketing or something else. But when you, when you come across people, how do you, what's that conversation like? Um, just to clarify, this is like somebody who's thinking about getting in, should they, or shouldn't they? Is that the basic question? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and maybe this is just practice for, for my, for our conversations. Um, like I, I, as much as I encourage people in my life that they should be thinking about something outside of a really not secure nine to five job that they may have, or, um, you know, business that isn't working. Anyone who's like, Thinking about how can I empower myself to create a business that 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 that's profitable and sustainable um, in the online space because it's something that if you're not again one of those things where you don't know what you don't know if you if you take ten people and poll them say hey would you start an online business they probably assume like there's all this tech all this expense all this mm. stuff that they need how how would you enroll someone assuming that that's who you're speaking with yeah oh, I mean that's interesting I guess. I guess if, if they've already made the decision they want to they want to consider doing something, then what you just described there to me is I'm kind of passionate about, you know, because I've always also had this sort of minimalist approach. I'm not I'm not a flashy, fancy, need the latest gadgets. In fact, we have a joke, my kids were going skiing, we, you know, they had a half day off and my wife recalled the time when, you know, I, I got, I was a pretty good skier back in the day too. That's something I love to do. And, you know, went hard, hardcore into that. And I had the worst gear. Like I had, you know, a 15 year old jacket and snow pants that were ripped and whatever. And, you know, <laughs> um, it just, that's kind of how I like to, I like it to be, I like my life to be functional, not flashy. And so um, what you just described, I think of the same way, I think so many people actually, Well, and and actually, this is excellent parallel. So in my recording days, when I first started, I loved the technology. This recording software was amazing. 
And I could get so wrapped up in the software that you'd ignore the performance. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do a good job on the performance and the, the forethought, the planning that went into your approach to building a song. I'd get wrapped up in, you know, tricks of the, the software tools. And I think that a lot of people go into this online business exactly the same way. And, and, and it's nobody's like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I still have the inclination to do it. I love technology. You know, I, you know, I can get sucked into my analytics and at the expense of doing the, doing the actual work. Um, so I think you can get into this business without anything but a Facebook account, a Facebook and a Google account. You, you that I mean, that's how I started. That's pretty much how I still operate. I got a, I got a CRM tool that, you know, a month ago that I'm still evaluating. I mean, it's, it's cool, but I'm not sure I need it. And so I don't pay for anything. Like I use my Google sheets to do all my tracking, all my content calendars. I use the Google docs, you know, available, like you can use Facebook as your whole software system. You know, you've got lead flow on your timeline and in your group and you've got your sales um, tool with your uh, uh, messenger. You know, if you want to add in a Zoom and a Calendly, those things are free up to a point as well. So like, you don't have to spend a dime, literally you don't have to spend a dime to, to do this business. You know, some tools make, make life, life easier, but you know, the, the conclusion I'll say is you need to find someone who can guide you to think about what is, what are the income producing activities in your business? And I can assure you that in most cases, they are not building the fanciest funnel with, um, you know, Seinfeld sequence email automation or whatever else they call all that stuff. Um, again, I'm not saying it's wrong and it can be business boosting and I'm going to try to move into some of that stuff this year, but you can get started very simply and cheaply. I, I, we've mentioned certain points in here. You've got five children and you've been, your life has taken you to many different places, many different experiences. What, as you're undertaking this endeavor and building this new business and, and, um, and in looking back at your experiences in the corporate like consultancy world, armed forces, what would you tell your children as they're like figuring out their life? You said they're five through 19. So some of them are only concerned with like screens yeah. And then, you know, you're all just probably like at that place where what's my life going to be like? Um, what, what, what do you share with your kids about what they should, how they should live their lives? Yeah. I mean, actually I wrestle with this a lot because I've got all the age ranges and it's, you know, you kind of learn lessons from the older ones, things you might improve, but, but it's tough. Um, you know, kids don't always want to hear from you. Number one, as their, as your parent, um, as the parent, but generally speaking, I mean, I think, as, as cliche as it may be, I, you, you want them to pursue their passions. Um, you, you, you have to balance that a little bit with practicality. You know, um, they happen to be excellent kids. They're all good students that, so far that we've seen. Um, and they, so they've got ability to think, you know, if I could, if I could go back and, you know, not have to worry about money, I think my dream would be to create this, curriculum, which I don't totally love that word because it, it implies, you know, some shackles, but I'd like, I'd like, you'd like to give people some guardrails to say, you know, bounce around, figure out what you like as early as possible so that you can put it into practice and solve problems for people. That's how you're going to get paid. And that's how you're also going to enjoy your work time and 
you know, you're going to spend most of your life working one way or another. We all need money to live in the world that we live in. So, you know, however, however you can do that. And I think there's tons of opportunities and, and finding out what you don't like is equally valuable, if not more than finding out what you like, because especially when you're young, you, it's really hard to, there's no context for that. You know, I, I worked at a hardware store when I was 16 and I barely knew what hardware was. I figured out pretty quickly. I didn't like that. And I needed, I needed to steer my choices in a different direction, you know? Um, so that's about it. Oh, that that's very sage advice. I mean, I've, I've, I've battled with this idea of passion for, for a while now. Um, and I came across, I forgot where I was reading about it. And it's like, which resonate with me a lot now. And it, it was almost like, don't even worry about pa passions are red herring. That's what it is. And yeah. because like you said, you don't know, there are very few people that are fortunate enough to know from a very young age, what they, what they're passionate about. And the only way you can figure out the things you'll, you'll enjoy doing or by doing them and figuring out what doesn't work yeah, right? yeah. and just filled your time with more stuff that does work. Yeah. I go back to the music stuff. Like I didn't enjoy lugging my gear around. I didn't enjoy uh, twisting the um, bar, you know, bartender's arm to pay me at the end of the night. You know, like there's lots of little things in that, 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 that weren't, you know, the passion was in the music, but there's a whole bunch of other things that go into it and you got to figure out if you like them. Uh, if, if you haven't read it, so good they can't ignore you by Cal Newport covers what you just said. Uh, I'm pretty sure he he was the most recent, like really he pounds the table about passions highly overrated. You know, do stuff, figure out if you like it, keep doing it. You know, and eventually you'll become passionate because you become excellent at something. Yep, very very sage words, and I I think that book's on my reading list. Todd, this has been so insightful. I mean, you are one of the good ones out there. I mean, I, I've connected with, especially in our in the space of affiliate and digital marketing, there are lots of people, but you, you're just very like thoughtful, analytical, um, but you've got like your best interest when you speak to people and that comes through. And that's why I think I've always resonated with you. And um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and sharing your thoughts and insight. If people out there want to connect with you, um, what are some of the best ways that people can connect with you? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the kind words. I feel the same. I, I love these opportunities to, you know, it's virtual still, but at least it's uh, kind of face-to-face -face and, and a human conversation. And it goes so far to uh, solidifying connections. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Finding me on Facebook's not the easiest. Um, you know, it's my name. I think it's Todd nine or something like that. I, sh I should probably learn that, but Affiliate Side Hustle is is my group. Um, and I think that's also a, like a nine in it because uh, that, the original name was taken. But that's it. You know, I don't have a website going yet or anything like that. So it's it's the best way to go. But yeah, um, if you can track me down, I'm always up for a chat. Yeah, very well. Definitely link those up in the show notes. And don't worry, I'll take care of the, I'll make sure the link is accurate. <laughs> um, so again, Todd Foster, thank you so much. Before I let you go, if you have any last parting words for the audience ah uh, you know it's funny I, that that's a good one you'll have to um edit out my stumble but you know i think i just almost double down on what i just said on the conclusion like especially in this covid virtual world that we're experiencing make make the human connections however you can i mean I just did a live challenge in my group. About 11 people showed up to, to do a live challenge, just five days. 
and the depth of connection that the entire group got from that versus timeline chats and messenger chats is just it's palpable it's powerful super super like so much stronger than it was five days ago um and i feel the same way even about this conversation i'd like i'd like to talk to you more after this so you know that's my advice keep doing it and it's awesome of you to reach out and make make this happen for people very awesome super appreciated todd foster dad consultant affiliate marketer extraordinaire Thank you for your time and energy on the podcast. And with that, Aaron Nation, until next time, take care, be well, bye for now.